Good evening, TDM Radio. And listeners, welcome to this speaking interview. It is Wednesday, April 1st. It's April Fool's Day in this part of the world. We call it April Fool. Uh, but tonight, we are going to have our usual uh, stimulating discussion. And there's no, no tomfoolery about it, for sure. Um, welcome to this weekend interview. If you are a regular listener, let me tell you, welcome back. We always love to have you on the show with us every Wednesday night. If this is your first time listening, uh, our hope is that you find our discussion sufficiently stimulating that you come back and be with us every Wednesday night. As usual, tonight we have a very special guest, and uh, we are going to have our first our first installment of our health program. Those of you who are regular listeners know that we do one program every month with a health theme. And so tonight we are going to be discussing childhood obesity. And we have with us a special guest, um, Dr. Montero. She's a pediatrician. The and, and also, if you if you if you've been a regular listener, you know that when we do the the health program, we we usually have with us our special co-host, um, Nurse Rosalind Carbon. So Nurse Rosalind Carbon will be joining us, and she will be doing um, doing the bulk of the heavy lifting this evening. She will be doing the interview with our special guest. Also, you also know that I like to start my show by by playing the, the CARICOM anthem, because one of my, my little pet peeves or hobbies, or whatever you, we want to call it, is Caribbean unity. And I'm, I am very fascinated with the fact that, very happy about the fact that we have a, a CARICOM anthem. Baby step, but a small step towards one Caribbean nation. And um, so what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to take a break and, and play the song. Um, so stay tuned. This is this week in interview, our April 1st installment and our first health program for 2015. And um, as usual, when we do the health program, uh, we have the honor uh, to have Ms. Rosalind Carbon on with us as a co-host. So let's give a warm welcome to, to Ms. Carbon. Ms. Carbon, good evening. Welcome to this weekend interview. And um, it's too late to say Happy New Year because we're in March. But um, we hope the New Year has April. been good to you. April. <laughs> in April, actually. So, so it's not Happy New Year, but we hope the New Year has been good to you so far. And I um, wish you all the best for the remainder of the year. But um, tonight we're dealing with a very serious topic. And I um, really um, appreciate, we're going to appreciate your insight and your expertise um, that you're going to bring with us. So why don't you say a quick um, hello to the tele, um, the This Week in Interview listeners and um, tell them a little bit about Dr. Montero. Okay. Good evening, CDN radio listeners. And I surely have missed you over the few months. Again, a belated New Year's and all the best for health strength for the coming, for the remainder of the year. Well, we have a very interesting program today. And I'm very passionate about the topic because we're addressing childhood obesity today. And if we don't take care of our children, we're going to have poorly maintained or healthy, unhealthy adults. So my thing is mentally, socially, psychologically, and physically, let's embrace the children and give them the best that we can. And tonight we're going to address childhood obesity. So we'll be talking a lot about what we as parents and adults can do okay. and should well, be doing I think I think this, this um, Dr. Montero is on the line, so let me, let's go to her and then uh, we can continue. Okay. Dr. Montero. Yes, sir. Yes, good evening, um, and thank you very much. Um, we are live, and I have this, um, this carbon on, on the other line, and she was okay. just uh, about to introduce you, but since you're on the line, I'm going to um, hand over to um, this carbon. Okay. And, um, uh, and 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 
this common this month um, dr montero is on the line um so give a warm welcome and, and let's start the show okay good evening dr montero Good evening, Ms. Carbon. Good evening, Anthony and Rigo. I'm so glad to be on this program. Yes, and I appreciate you taking time out of your hectic schedule to grace us and bless us with your expertise and your wealth of knowledge. Um, I've known Dr. Mantero for many, many years. Um, she works at the Rutgers Medical School, and she's one of our premier pediatricians, and she also is the only pediatric gastroenterologist in our hospital. So I would like her, I'd like to pass the bant on to her to say something more about herself. Okay, so I have been at the Rutgers New Jersey Medical School since 1991. I did my residency in pediatrics there, and I also trained and did my pediatric gastroenterology fellowship. And I've been working there since, except for a short gap in between of a few months. Um, I've been, I'm been married for the last 26 years, and I have three adult children. I really have an interest in staying active, and over the last few years, I have been trying to be more and more active, because when I talk to parents about their children with obesity, I need to make sure that I don't fall into that same um, trap of being obese. So try to stay active, and I think that really keeps me feeling happy, feeling healthy. Dr. Montero, let me, let me extend a very special welcome to you. And on behalf of the listeners, um, say how much we appreciate you um, sharing your, your expertise you. and your knowledge with us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So, Dr. Montero, I'm going to read a little paragraph, and that will open the audience's perception of where we're going with this topic today. And it goes like this. Toxic food environment. What we choose to eat plays a large role in determining our risk of gaining too much weight. But our choices are shaped by the complex world in which we live, by the kinds of food our parents make available at home, by how far we live from the nearest supermarket or fast food restaurant, even by the ways that governments support farmers. In the U.S. and many parts of the world, the so-called food environment the physical and social surroundings that influence what we eat makes it far too hard to choose healthy foods and all too easy to choose unhealthy foods. Some even call this food environment toxic because of the way it corrodes healthy lifestyles and promotes obesity. This, to me, sums up the malady that's going on in our environment. Take it from Dr. Montero. I fully agree with what you're saying, Ms. Carbon, because food choices are so important. And again, to make good food choices, there has to be availability. So if you're living in a urban situation where there are food deserts, meaning there are no supermarkets close by where you can access uh, fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, and when you look at the cost of these things to Fresh fruits, fresh vegetables cost more than if you go and get a hamburger at a fast food joint. And that, I think, perpetuates what is happening and our children are getting more and more obese. So it is very, very important that we start making food choices early on in life and teaching the children that, okay, it is important to make the right food choices because if you don't, you're going to have obesity and then all the additional problems that come be with being obese. Mm -hmm. so, Dr. Montero, obesity, we talk about food. We know food creates obesity in children, adults, but we're focusing on the children tonight. So parents, please listen clearly. What causes obesity in children, Dr. Montero? Because I'm sure there are other issues also related to obesity in children. Okay, the most common cause of obesity in children is when there is excessive intake. So normally there's a balance. 
between what we eat and what we use to grow for for the children for for what they use to grow and what they use with their activity so when this equation of you eat more than what you are using for growth and using for activity uh, is uh, unbalanced when the intake is more when the food intake is more then it leads to obesity very rarely you have certain conditions that may lead to obesity like certain genetic syndromes certain uh, conditions like having thyroid problems but this is not the norm of what is leading to obesity it is more the increased intake and the decreased activity that children are having these days exactly so for the i needed you to expand on that um particular point as far as the obese children that's not consuming excess or the wrong foods and they're still obese because there are medical issues and i wanted to exclude that so they don't feel that you know they're wrongly being picked on or anything like that because we we appreciate that um, segment but as you eloquently said there's proportionately more most obesity is related to equality and quantity of intake yeah and also the uh, amount of activity so a lot of times i'll have a child come to me and say i'm cut down my calories i'm eating less i'm watching what i'm eating i've stopped drinking juice i've stopped drinking soda but i'm still putting on weight and then if you look into the activity the child is not getting sufficient activity the recommendation by the american academy of pediatrics is at least 1 hour of moderate activity every day for a child in adults it's five days a week but for children it's every day of the week so seven days a week and this is also something that the children are not getting enough of because when we were children we got to exercise by default we were outside playing we weren't stuck on the computers the ipads the, and all even when they're walking on the street their gait is slowed because slower because they're on the iphone they're on their cell not even watching where they're walking so the energy is even less just for walking Look, the electronics have taken over dr activity. dr montero um resident family dr montero um when you say one hour of exercise daily is it a continuous hour is it an aggregate of one hour it can be a aggregate of one hour but it has to be moderate where the child is sweating feels the heart beating faster rather than like a slow steady walk outside like a stroll in the park no it has to be a little faster pace where they are burning calories so they're sweating they feel their heart beating faster so doctor machero what disease is a obese children at risk for obese children are risk for a lot of problems now they ha- have defined something as a metabolic syndrome where obese children can develop high cholesterol high triglycerides which are type of fats in the blood uh, they can develop diabetes um and they can develop high blood pressure and this combination of these three is known as the metabolic syndrome and we used to think that metabolic syndrome occurs in the older adult patients but now we are seeing it happening in the youngsters as they become teenagers and they are obese they are already having problems with having sugar intolerance leading to, finally leading to diabetes their blood pressures are going high um and they they have high cholesterol and triglycerides uh, just to clarify cholesterol everybody seems to hear about cholesterol because that's the fat in the blood there's another fat in the blood called triglycerides and both these fats when they are in excess then start clogging the blood vessels going to the heart and causing problems have you seen What's the young, what's the youngest age you've seen a child or a youth having a stroke? Because we already have strokes in older per people. Yeah, we don't see strokes so commonly in children. However, they have done autopsies in children who are obese who have died from some other reason and they've already seen the beginnings of this plaque which is thickening of the blood vessels occurring in children as young as 5 years of age. So how do I know if my child is overweight because some people might just look at a child and say oh my gosh this person is overweight but really it's more than just eyeballing and some a child and say you're overweight yes so we have these growth charts uh, which are put out by the center for disease control um and uh, 
they have the weight based on the age of the child. They have the height based on the age of the child. They have different charts for boys and for girls. And then they calculate something called the body mass index or the BMI. And the BMI is then plotted to say, yes, this child falls in the normal range, this child falls in the underweight range, this child falls in the overweight range, or this child falls in the obese range. The BMI is calculated basically by looking at the weight in kilograms divided by the height in meters squared. And then this gives you a number. For adults, we have we say, oh, if the BMI is between 25 and 30, this person is overweight. If the BMI is more than 30, they are obese. However, in children, because they are growing, a BMI of 25 may already put a child of a certain age in the obese range. So the charts are very important in pediatrics. I quite understand that. Yes, because it's easy for people to just assume that, you know, and because sometimes these charts can be a little deceiving, or people can be a little deceiving. Somebody might say when they get the results, oh, you're obese. And this is, but I'm not obese. They're expecting somebody very large to fit into that category. But it's not necessarily the case. Yes, and sometimes they say, oh, this child is so cute, she's so chubby, but that chubby may already put them in the overweight range or even throw them in the obese range. Mm -hmm. And there's a perception that a chubby child is a healthy child, but now we are finding that the chubby children who are in the overweight or obese range are having a greater tendency to develop problems as they grow. Mm -hmm. So we, uh, we talk about the children, but the ch child doesn't go to the store, they have no say in the menu, they have no say in whether they go to the gym or have a workout regime, how can the family help the overall well-being of the family so this yes. child doesn't feel isolated, doesn't feel their self-esteem being, you know, damaged or interfered with because they might start feeling like an outsider when all the, children, all the children in the family look opposite to them, now, how can we get the whole family involved so that child doesn't feel so out, out of So the most, imp most important thing is prevention. So if you start with healthy choices early on in life, uh, hopefully they will carry on for the rest of their lives and this mm -hmm. child will not reach into the obese phase. And like you said, once they're obese, they may be singled out in school, they may be bullied, they may have poor self-esteem, and then it becomes a bigger problem trying to get them to get motivated to work on losing weight. So I normally tell the parents of babies, don't overfeed the baby. Don't start them on juice too early. Because once they get used to the taste of juice, then the baby wants it and because their taste buds are used to it. So keep it for a later period to start that. Start vegetables first, because if you don't start vegetables first, as the baby grows into a toddler, they don't want to eat veg vegetables. So then what are their choices? They'll eat something like chips or cookies or something like that, which becomes their preferential food. And that becomes a bit of a problem. I try to avoid soda in the diet as much as possible, because, again, that's, has a lot of calories, but no nutritional value for the growth of the child. Yeah. And, and then, sorry, it's okay. No, um, and then looking at the point of uh, exercise, parents should look at what's available in their communities because, yes, it's very difficult to say, oh, let's put this child in a gym, but the membership to the gym may be too expensive. So you can look in the community, and sometimes there are a lot of programs in the community itself uh, for some kind of uh, group games or for us, if there's a swimming pool in the community, for swim lessons in the summer, and then practicing in the pool, things like that, which will then kind of motivate the child because they're doing something in a group. So they say, oh, I need to go because whoever my friends are going to be waiting for me to come. Yes. Okay. So, Dr. Mantar, let's talk about um, infants a little bit um, in more detail. Um, two things I wanted, I wanted you to stress on is, one, when, when mothers are pregnant, does the mother's diet have an impact on 
on the metabolism or the, or the, or the potential of the child um, to have to be more obese. Um, the also, bre- if we want to talk about breastfeeding a little bit, and um, some some schools of thought saying that breast milk makes children bigger or not. So, can you talk a little bit about the gest- about the pregnancy period as well as um, infancy breastfeeding and that and the impact it has on healthy on healthy children? Yeah, in in during pregnancy, if the mother gains a lot of weight, they may uh, have babies who are large. The other problem when we have large babies is when the mother has gestational diabetes, which is they develop diabetes during pregnancy. Then they may give birth to very large babies. Um, For the breastfeeding part of it, breastfeeding has so much of other benefits. Yes, the babies tend to be a little larger initially, but in the end, breastfeeding has so much more benefits than formula feeding that I encourage breastfeeding of all infants whenever possible. Right. And, and, and also, I, I know you mentioned it before, but I, I wanted you to emphasize it a little more in terms of um, as parents introduce new foods to their, to their children, the importance of developing the taste for healthy foods like vegetables and reducing the, the taste buds for, for sugary and sweet. Um, I, 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 guess I know you just mentioned, but can you like reemphasize it in case, um, some of the listeners missed it in passing? Yes, that I absolutely agree. The children should, the first thing that the baby, the milk is sweet. Yes. But it's not like overly sweet. Formulas, uh, breast milk, sweet, but not overly I strongly recommend to parents, don't give fruits as the first thing. Give vegetables. Used to eating vegetables rather than... Bananas. You don't want to just eat three bananas. One banana. 
but things you can eat a lot of is your spinach and things like that, your avocado. Very, very important to get that protein on board because it will, your nuts, almonds, cashew nuts, a handful of cashew nuts or almonds, believe me, will curb your desire to go and eat some junk. I literally work with almonds in my car. So if I'm hungry, I'm not stopping at anybody's fast food drive through I'm taking a handful of cashew nuts or almonds, and it satisfies me until I get to where I need to go to eat a proper meal. Yes, because that's rich in protein, so it satisfies you. And then you don't get that sugary craving because you have had something that's sugary. It works. It works. And I Agreed. I'm like, you know, we can do it with our children, with ourselves. And if we're going to live healthy and eat healthy and do the right things for ourselves, we definitely need to make sure our children, it's no point, oh, I'm going to eat healthy and you're serving your children, you know, spaghetti and whatever we call them, the little sausages and things. You eat healthy and feed your children healthy food from the start, like you've been both been saying. And it becomes routine, it becomes a habit, a pattern. Dr. Montero, let's bring in culture, because this show is going across the world. What impact does culture have to play on obesity, especially in children? And how is it seen in different countries being obese of yeah, like I kind of alluded a little while ago, in certain cultures, a chubby child is looked at as a healthy child. And that's why, especially when there are grandparents involved, they'll be like, okay, feed the child. I'll have mothers come in whose child is absolutely normal weight, but they'll say, oh, but my mom said the child is not eating enough. The child is not gaining enough weight. Because people have this cultural belief that, oh, my child should be chubby, and that's, all, that's the only time when my child is healthy. And that belief is something that we need to slowly kind of break apart from and say, no, if your body mass index throws, puts you on the normal part of the curve, that is a good way to be at rather than, oh, my child has to be chubby. Uh-huh. Okay, let me let me take a quick a quick break. Um, remind listeners that you are listening to this week in interview uh, on TDNRadio.net. Uh, tonight we have with us a special guest, Doctor Montero, Montero, pediatrician, and our co-host for our health segment, Ms. Rosalind Carbon. I am going to invite listeners who want to participate in the discussion to call in. Um, the calling number is 617-372-0107. 617-372-0107. If you have a question for Dr. Montero, uh, or if you have a comment about um, our topic tonight, which is childhood obesity. Uh, the, the, right before, we were talking about the cultural um, aspect of, of, of our weight and our health. Uh, but not only the cultural um, part of it, um, the Scarbon also talked about the importance of the adults getting involved in, um, in, in the whole healthy eating scheme. Not if there's two things in play. If you try to make the kids eat healthy and you as an adult is not eating healthy, then that doesn't work. The child is going to want what you enjoy. And on the other hand, if you're eating healthy and you think you're spoiling your kids by letting them eat anything they choose or anything they want to eat, you're also not doing them a good service. So as we're talking about um, the cultural aspect of it, um, the, the, one of the things that we also have to be aware, especially those of us who are first or second generation, even third generation immigrants in this country, um, sometimes in our, in our home countries, our lifestyle is more active. And so if we come to this new country and we don't change our diet and we have less activity, we are setting up ourselves for health issues. So Dr. Mentor, I don't know if you want to expand on that a little bit in terms of as we expand the cultural aspect of, of health. And that I fully agree. As we immigrate to the United States, it's like back home, you're active, you're outside. You go to school, I mean, children go to school, they come back, they're playing outside. Here it is more 
kind of restricted as they go to school they come back then they're on their computers they're they're on their playing video games they are playing on their cell phones things like that that cuts down all the activity as miss carbon mentioned earlier but the diet has also changed to a more junk food based diet more sodas more juices things like that whereas back home you may be making juice by putting the fresh fruit in the blender and having that juice rather than this juice that's available in cartons with added sugar in it or soda which is really really high in sugar so it it does make a big difference what we do activity wise and what we do food wise which ends up leading to obesity okay so i have a major point i want to discuss here dr montero we have some people who are eating for comfort or they trying to suppress some inner hurt I'm talking about people who've been abused emotionally, sexually, children that is. Mm-hmm. Have you experienced or seen obese children who have some psychological issue that they're curbing with food? And I'm bringing this issue up so parents can be alert. They might be saying, but why I'm trying everything for this child to not eat so much? I'm bringing in the healthy food. Sometimes we've got to look out of the norm and maybe... get some psychological help to see what else is going on maybe that child's been sexually abused being bullied cultural issues there might be you know people picking on them because of their difference in their appearance their race their speech their accent tell me how that can also create people to be overeating children in particular yeah i i think in certain cultures they have this this thing of having this anxiety to eat all the time and if a child is all the time anxious to eat one really has to look at is something else going on in the life of this child that is making this child just eat and eat and eat all the time so absolutely right they may be bullied in school or they may be having some problems or they may be being abused or then there's domestic violence in the home and the child is then just eating as a comfort because uh-huh. that's one thing they have control of which can be kind of taken away from them and yeah it is important sometimes to send the child to mistake the child to see a psychologist to look in deeper into these matters and then get them the appropriate help absolutely and um because a lot of times people can just glare over okay this child just likes to eat but sometimes it's you know it's deeper than that they're act up even adults you hear them say they're they're almost hiding within themselves if i'm sad people want to look at me somebody abused me sexually well i'm not gonna, gonna let myself go like some people would say so i don't look attractive anymore it hurt me the way they hurt me before and parents need to pay attention to that you know aspect that can happen So listeners, let me one more time encourage you if you want to join the conversation. The number you can call is area code 617-372-0107. If you have a comment or you have a question, um, let us hear your contribution. Uh, Dr. Montero, let's talk about, I know we, we say prevention is, is, is key, but if, if we have children in our families and of course we not not only as parents but as uncles and aunts as as godmothers godfathers we have we have um children in our families who have who we think may need to um to be a little more healthier in terms of weight how as a pediatrician do you go about laying out um advising um a family to address such an issue with a child who may already be obese or or overweight in some in some regard so basically the first thing i will look at is what the dietary history is like what is this child eating um is the child eating too much and hence is obese 
or uh, so what I like to do is something called a dietary recall and I will ask them what the child has been eating for the last 24 hours. So from morning till night, what, what did your child eat? And then a lot of times I'm able to pick up things to advise the parents on. Like if they're drinking three cups of juice a day, uh, say, okay, you really, the recommendation is one cup of juice a day. But when a child is obese or overweight, you say, try to avoid all juices. And the best thing would be, don't have them in the house. Because a child opens the refrigerator and sees the juice looking at them. I say, the juice is calling out to them. They want to drink it. But if the juice is not in the refrigerator, they don't have a choice but to drink water. Then uh, certain foods, like if the parents are giving them a lot of fried fatty foods, then we say, okay, maybe back off on that. Instead of frying the chicken, put it in the oven and bake it. So this way it loses a little bit of fat as it's baked. Remove the skin of the chicken, remove the fat of the chicken before you cook it. So you cut down calories in little ways like this, and this does add up. If there is a lot of issues with the diet, I send them to the nutritionist, and the nutritionist will then be able to teach the parents about reading labels on foods that they buy, to look at calories, to look at how much fat it has, to look at how much sugar it has, and this way the parents get a little bit more knowledge about making better food choices. I absolutely say give them more fruits and vegetables. If they, are, they want a snack, Instead of reaching for the cookie jar, keep some baby carrots, keep some uh, little tomatoes or some salad there which the child can crunch on. And the important thing goes back to getting these children to get these tastes of fruits and vegetables early on in life rather than you have this teenager who hates vegetables, doesn't eat any. So what do they go for? Alternative is eating cookies, eating chips, things like that. So that's one thing. The second thing I look at is how much of activity does the child have. Um, now we know in before in schools they used to have gymnastics every like gym every day of the week. But now most schools have it one day a week, two days a week. And again, that's not enough exercise for the children. So I try to tell the parents maybe winter is is a tough time because they're indoors a lot. But as the weather is getting better, take your child for a walk. It's healthy for you, it's healthy for the child. Um, look in the community. Is there a swimming pool in the community? Put your, sign your child up to go for that. Or is there a soccer team in the community? Sign up your child to go play soccer. So they get exercise two, three times a week. Baseball, anything that's there in the community uh, which is locally available. Because it's difficult for parents to say, oh, I have to go two towns over to look for a place for the child to exercise. And other simple thing that I say, if you're living in an apartment, there are stairs. Go up and down the stairs. That's the equivalent of your stair climber, stair master that you would do in a gym. Go up and down, but safely. Another important thing to look out is, it's easy for me to say, go take your child for a walk. But we have to also see what the environment is. Is it safe for the child to go? Is there a park close by? And these things, a lot of things become very important in how the child will then be able to exercise. Um, also, what, what's going on in our communities, everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's in a hurry for everything. But I think we need to slow down food and the family sitting together for meals. is very, very important on so many levels. Socially, psychologically, that's when, you know, you bounce off each other what you did during the day, concern, while you're eating good food. So I'm saying that to say, we need to slow down as parents and plan your meals. Have the children involved. We all might not like everything, but we can put a couple of different things on the table that by the end of the day, everybody's getting what it is they need. And just make it a family affair. Slow down, plan your meals. I know parents have at work, the kids go get home before the parents. Try and do it ahead of time. Put it in the refrigerator so when they come home, they're not eating a processed, pre-packed food, which is full of sodium and processed foods that's just not good for anybody. 
No, certain, Absolutely. Yeah. So, 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 Doctor Montor, I hear, I hear what I hear you you you're saying is that parents really need to to be more involved. So, so if you encourage your child to be more active, and you take them to that activity, the and we know adults have issues with with obesity and issues of health associated with with overweight. So, while the parent being active with the child, it becomes also a means for the parent to benefit. So both, and you're in both um, this, this Rosalind and you, Dr. Montero, see, seeming to say that the key is parental involvement and, and actually just actively paying attention and being aware of, um, of the health issues associated with overweight eating, lack of activity. Um, so, so would you would you advise most parents um, to talk to their pediatrician about the need maybe to to get involved, um, maybe even with one session if it's not a serious issue with a nutritionist, um, to get a nutritionist involved in helping them to do meal planning and shopping and that sort of thing. That's uh, yeah, it's a good thing to have a nutritionist involved. Again, it brings you to the availability of nutritionists. Is there nutritionist to, available to see all the patients in a pediatric practice? Maybe a little difficult, but you, then you target and see, okay, this patient really needs help. Go and see the nutritionist. Pediatricians normally advise patients on healthy eating, healthy exercising, getting the family involved. Um, and in those cases where you need that additional help, then I think the nutritionist should be involved. So, so Rosalind, if uh, you, you grew up in the you are not, but you have Caribbean heritage as well. I don't know if you're familiar with this group in the Caribbean women group called the Social League. Um, yes. The Social League used to get involved. With a group of women used to come together as wives and as mothers, and they would do a lot of stuff. They would do art and craft and culture and that, but they used to do a lot of stuff around eating and vegetable planting and growing. And mm -hmm. So um, if I hear for what Dr. Montero is saying, and I agree that the resources may not be available for every parent to have a consultation with, with a pediatrician, with a, pediatrician um, a nutritionist, but maybe they can, around the pediatrician, they probably can come together and maybe have a session where, a nutritionist is invited and you have 10 mothers or, or, or 15 mothers in a session where they can ask questions and the mothers can then take it from there as an organ as a little group, informal or formal, and encourage each other in exchanging recipes and, and that sort of thing. That's excellent, excellent. So that's something else our audience can take and run with it in your church, at work, easily done, but the sharing the information, yes. Yeah. No, certainly. So at, at this time, I, I want to um, give Dr. Montero the, the opportunity. Rosalind, if you have anything additional that you haven't covered with Dr. Montero, um, yes. go ahead. <laughs> yes, please. This is Dr. Montero, what's the impact of sleep with regards to obesity? Good night's rest. You, children should sleep at least seven to eight hours every night because when they don't sleep, I feel they have more time to be eating. And a lot of times when they don't have enough sleep, they are tired, they are kind of get into this state where they are not sure what is happening and then they may reach out to food as a comfort thing to make up for that lack of sleep. And again, that, you know, excessive eating can lead to obesity. So it goes back to parents, if you're up watching TV, you might be keeping your children awake, especially during the week. Parents go to bed on time, the children can also go to sleep undisturbed and get that required sleep that also curbs the likelihood of them eating food. And when you eat in the night time and you go to sleep, there's almost zero activity after you eat. So definitely going to bed on a timely fashion helps. So so what you said a while ago, um, this reason is important about the time you eat before you go to bed and that amount of inactivity. I don't know if we want to that I, I think that's maybe something we can uh, um spend a little time on educating um parents about. What time yeah. your child has their last meal before bedtime. 
Yeah, it's important to try not to eat after 7.30 p.m. if you can help it. We understand people have different um, hours of work, but if you can absolutely avoid eating you know, later than 7.30 p.m. in the night, it's a good, good way to curb obesity or gaining weight because you want to eat these foods and still be active so you can burn out some of, that, um, some of the calories. I'll go to sleep, and now you're getting um, you're regurgitating, getting acid reflux because this food is just sitting there. So that's one of the main things: which eating in a timely fashion and not too late. Yeah, it helps a lot. And one of the is also sorry, doctor, if you can eat your heavier food in the middle of the day, your lunch. If you want your good healthy meal, the heavier meal. Because then you have all these at least four or five hours where you'll be moving around. And you need that energy anyway, the calories to keep moving around. But if you're going to sleep, there's no need to eat half a rack of, what do you call it, ribs or mac and cheese and all these things and then go to sleep. Yes, Dr. Montero. Uh, no, I agree. And then you eat too late, you have this tendency to reflux. And especially the child who's obese will reflux even more. Um, and talking about meals... Breakfast is another important meal. They've looked at children who skip breakfast and find that they eat more at other meals uh, because they skip breakfast. So breakfast is important not only in the prevention of obesity, but also children do better in school if they, have, uh, they eat breakfast. And a lot of schools now do offer a breakfast lunch program, but if your school does not have it, make sure your child eats some breakfast before they go to school. Anthony, can I say a couple of things real quick? Oh, definitely. You have time, Rosen. Go okay. ahead. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dr. Montero, I mentioned reflux. I just want the audience to know, when you have reflux, people just casually say, oh, I have acid reflux. This can actually lead to cancer because this acid isn't or wasn't meant to be coming back up into your esophagus and even into your mouth. Our stomach is designed in a certain way to be able to tolerate that acid. That acid is caustic. And that's why when you have certain, when certain bacteria are less in your stomach, that acid eats into your stomach and now they say you have a gastric ulcer. So I'm saying that to say it's important not to, to try not to get reflux because it can corrode the lining of your esophagus or your throat. Very important. Leading to, which can lead to cancer. Now with schools, Dr. Montero, they, I think, sometimes need to also help the family with children and diet. Because our children are spending a large portion of time and eating their main meal at school. And then what you find also outside of the school parameter, there are trucks and bodegos or bodegos, I can never say the word, selling the junk. So we have so many other entities infringing on what we might be trying to do at home to safeguard our children's health and weight. So it, it, we, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that sometimes you might be doing the best you can at home, but now your child is at school, and I know now they're putting a lot of pressure and um, guidelines on the type of food that's fed to our children at school, but for a very long time, school meals were not exactly the healthiest meals around. Yes, right. and they are, they are changing school meals, and when I talk to children, they'll say, oh, we don't get juice in school anymore, which is, like, excellent. They get milk to drink instead, and low-fat milk, 2% milk, yeah. which is good. Uh, some, some of the children will still say, oh, we get pizza, and we get hamburgers, and we get cheeseburgers, and they also, some of the schools do offer some choices, not a lot of it. Uh, they may have a salad. So I try to encourage the children to, especially the children who can now decide for themselves, go for the salad instead of going for french fries. Eat that apple instead of eating a hamburger kind of thing. Um, but it's difficult for children when they are seeing all the other children eating foods that they would like to eat and then say, no, I shouldn't be eating that. It takes a lot of willpower on the child's part, too. But I think it all boils down to starting good habits at home so that they can carry on out of the, out of the home. Yes, yes. 
And the, the sad thing is, in this environment that we're in, there is so much, there's the abundance of good food, healthy food too, but anything you do in excess just does the opposite. So it, it's not easy to not be overweight. And if children have other issues, low self-esteem, low willpower, or other issues going on, it's just, you know, so much pressure on them. So it's very easy to fall into the comfort eating, comfort food. And again, it's what's provided at home. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to discuss, Dr. Montero, that we that's burning on your mind to share with us? I think we covered everything. So the key this thing is avoid excessive juices, avoid sodas, avoid sugary stuff. I know I'm sounding like a avoid, avoid, avoid person, but those are the things that are, have been shown to cause problems. Bake instead of frying. Try to avoid fried, greasy food. And get the children to exercise. Get them to be active. Limit the amount of screen time that they have. So limit time on computers, TVs, video games. Um, and again, the recommendation by the American Academy of Pediatrics is not more than two hours per day. And get them to exercise. Yeah. I read um, a headline where they say, give our children back their childhood. And it, I guess a picture of what our children are doing now versus how we were growing up, playing, just free-spirited. And there's a lot has changed, of course, you know, the, like you said earlier, sometimes the, it's not very safe to send your children out there. Before, we, we could be outside and our parents don't even worry. Uh, but we can still find a way to allow these children. Again, parents accompany your children. Make it be a family affair. But we can't just have to be couch potatoes from 10 years old, 8 years old. They need to be active. Absolutely need. There's no way about it, around it. We don't want to wait till we're adults and, oh, I need to keep exercising. It has to be a way of life. Just like our food needs to be a way of life. And Dr. Montero, as you said, if it starts at home, when you go to school, choosing a salad or an apple over a piece of cake, or a pizza wouldn't even be an issue because the way of life is I eat a salad. You can eat a pizza once in a while, but it's not going to be the main thought that comes to you. It's going to be a once in a while thing. Dr. Montero, this has been a wealth of information given to our audience. And, um, Tony, I think our audience got a lot of stuff that they can do now. Wouldn't you agree? I agree completely. And um, that's one of the beauties in, in, in the way you do the health program, Rosalind. You you really, you and, and all the guests that you've brought on so far, and, and tonight Dr. Montero did an equally awesome job of yes. bringing the topic to us in words that you can understand and in, in action in, in the form of actions that we know definitely what we can do tonight, tomorrow, the next day. So, so I think I think this was again one more time a very um, excellent um, sharing of information by Dr. Montero. Indeed, Dr. Montero, and I really, really thank you for again taking time out of your hectic um, schedule. And yes, I'm not Dr. Montero from 1991 because I also studied in 1991. And yes, she looks like somebody who is in the in the peak of health, and I'm actually looking at her and I'm thinking, okay, I need to ramp up some more too, <laughs> because she's a very active, very active lady. That's the honest truth, yeah? <laughs> All right. And thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure talking to the two of you. Uh, oh, and to the world out there. <laughs> and to the world out there. <laughs> Yes, thank you so much doctor thank you so much I really appreciate um, the time and, and how willingly and, and, and openly you shared the information um, with the audience so thank you very much alright thank you okay. okay doctor good night okay. good night and Rosalind one more time I think you've to use the American term you've hit it out of the pack um, excellent choice of topic excellent guests and also very um, expert way in which you were able to um, get our guests to, to share um, such a wealth of knowledge. So we missed you, um, but you're back. So 
and we look forward to April's installment. Uh, uh, this we come in this as March, by the way. So we still um, would like to do an April installment, um, <laughs> health installment. <laughs> I think you're a businessman, also, right? <laughs> Definitely, because this, you know this is April, this is April Fool's. Like when you take a pack of cards, the Joker don't count. April Fool's don't count as April. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but no, we really okay, miss you. So welcome back, and and thank you for for um for the time. You're very welcome, and again to the TV and audience, it was great, you know, getting this platform to share some information of things that we can do right now, and um. It's up to us. We can make a change. Every one of us in our homes can make a change for the better. For the better. I just wanted to say when Dr. Montero talked about breakfast being one of the most important meals, absolutely. Our brain needs that food to function. Absolutely. Thank well, you. Good night. Good night, resident. Thank you very much. Get home safely. Thanks. Good night. All right, good, good night, night, Doc. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, um, TDN listeners, uh, one more time, we've been able to have uh, such a, a wonderful discussion um, with excellent and knowledgeable guests. Um, Nurse Carbon always brings her, her experience as a nurse, um, always shows in the way she is able to create that rapport with, with the guests. We're very lucky um, to have her share with us and of course um thank you to dr montero uh, you you definitely have things that you can do and one of the things that we didn't touch on but i would like to because those of you who listen to the show know sometimes i'm a little political but um the importance of getting involved in your local politics um getting involved in your school board and um, getting involved in your pta so you can influence uh, the type of foods that are served to your kids at school. You can influence the type of businesses that are given license and permission to open next to their school. Um, definitely, we would like we would like you to pay attention to that and get involved politically um, so that you can have that influence. Uh, also, what type of facilities are available in the community? Is there a swimming pool? Are there sufficient basketball courts? Is there security so that your kids can feel safe when they play? Um, is there enough green space? So always, 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 we encourage you to get involved, get political. Do not be afraid to be political because it's a matter of life or death, literally, when you think of the impact it can have on our health. So one more time, let me say thank you for, for joining us. This has been uh, this week in interview, and uh, we do this every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. In, in New York. Um, 7 p.m. in U in Texas, uh, and of course in the Caribbean. Um, right now, it's also um, it takes place at 8 p.m. And we invite you to come back next week, Wednesday, when we will have another installment of this week in interview. It's a production of TDNRadio.net. Uh, we have the podcast up. If you go on, on, on the website tdnradio.net, you can sign up for our newsletter so that you can get advance notice of the topics that we will be discussing in upcoming um, programs. Also, we now have a Facebook page, so I want you to go to Facebook and look for um, the This Week in Interview um, Facebook page and like us, share us with your, with your friends. I think the information that we have on the show is pretty valuable. We also always encourage you to um, send us feedback. I know you don't like to call, but I do get text messages and, and messages on Skype and, and sometimes email. Um, persons responding and telling me what their concerns are, and I shape it into questions. So I do get some feedback from, from the audience. Um, but uh, I want your suggestions as to what topics um, are important to you. If you know of somebody who would make a very good uh, interview candidate, we welcome that sort of feedback. But for now, I'm going to say good night and um, thank you to our ever hardworking engineer. I, I'm sure that you guys recognize we had a little bit of technical um, difficulty because I was traveling earlier. And um, our engineer and, and producer Sam is always, always there to, um, to make it happen. And we really appreciate and, and admire his, his skills and talents in that regard. So thank you, Sam. And um, I'm saying good night. Um, from this week in interview at tdnradio.net. I shall see you next week, Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Good night.